0: Tonight, God put on my heart to talk about a timely topic for, for the younger generation. Namely, actually, I was supposed to preach from a different text on a different topic, but I felt like God, was, God put on my heart to talk about a hot topic, an important topic, on something that we all struggle with, namely depression. And the steps to move uh, beyond and to move past it to victory. And I have a question for all of you. Have you ever been in a season where it seemed like everything and anything is going wrong? You're just worried that one morning you're going to crash and you won't be able to get out of your bed. You just wonder, what's next? You You just wonder, what else? could possibly happen you're just too exhausted from anxiety and fear and stress it doesn't matter what's going on it doesn't matter what's going on in your life you always feel tired and you wonder if this is going to ever end and you just wonder if this is going to turn around and it is going to get any better Well, you feel like Satan is attacking you every day on every front. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever been in that season? And let me ask you a more personal question. Are you in that season? You see, difficult and unexpected situations and circumstances happen. Life is full of unexpected situations. Discouragement is part of life. Things don't always go your way. But let me tell you, Discouragement is only temporary because at some point down the road, something will happen and your soul is lifted. But this evening, I'm not going to talk about discouragement. This evening, I want to talk about depression. I want to talk about depression. And right off the bat, I want to make sure you understand that it is not a sin to be depressed, I want you to understand that if you're dealing with depression, you're not a weaker Christian and you're not a bad person. I just want to make sure right off the bat that I'm not going to share with you the medical causes of depression because I'm not a doctor. But I want to talk to you about tonight about those circumstances that get you down, that get me down, and you find yourself battling discouragement and depression. And the person who went through this season was a guy, a a man. He was actually one of the most famous men in the Old Testament. And he goes by the name of Elijah. Elijah was a man of great faith who God used in a very important moment in the story and the history of Israel. God used this man to do many miraculous things. But tonight we're not going to look at one of those stories in his life when God worked with miracle or incredible miracles. Instead, tonight, I want us to look at one of the lowest moments in Elijah's life. So let me set the stage for you. Elijah, he just won a huge victory over the prophets of Balaam, who was one of the idols that Israelites worshipped. Um, He was the one who who won a huge victory because they were trying to figure out which one was the true God in Israel at the moment. Was it Balaam or God? And um, in that moment, I mean, the way God, he revealed himself, went in, it was, was in a spectacular way. And in that moment, Elijah, he was riding high. He was just killing it because supernatural power, was attending his ministry in ways unprecedented since the moment of Moses. Everything was going great for him. You can find this story in 1 Kings chapter 18. And I really encourage you to take some time this week to read the whole story. And I'm going to give you a super, super fast or condensed version of the story. On Mount Carmel, two altars were built. And on each altar... There was a sacrifice. Now, whichever God was real, that God was supposed to send fire from heaven and consume that sacrifice. Well, first, it was the prophets of Balaam that they went first. And uh, the story goes that they started crying and yelling and praying. And at some point, they started cutting themselves, calling on Balaam, their God that they worshiped. What happened, he never showed up. There was no fire. And after that, Elijah came up. And after only one short prayer, God literally poured fire from heaven. And he burned up not only the sacrifice, but he burned up the rocks that were part of the, of the altar. And it was impressive. Impressive. And when all people saw that miracle, the Bible tells us, they all fell prostrate and cried, verse 39, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. That moment was a moment of spiritual awakening in Israel. Well, when people saw that, everybody started listening and watching Elijah. And that moment, Elijah became very famous and popular. Everybody was just looking and listening to him. Everybody what one person who hated Elijah. And the name of that person was Queen Jezebel. And she was angry and she was jealous. And in chapter 19, verse 2, so I'm going to read verse by verse. I'm going to go verse by verse. So I want to encourage you to keep your Bibles open. In verse 2, chapter 19, the word says, Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and more so also, if you do not make your life as the life of the one of them by this time tomorrow. In other words, Elijah, tomorrow I'm coming for you. And if this is the last thing I'm going to do, I'm going to kill you. Now, after Elijah won against the prophets of Balaam, after Elijah prayed and the rain came after three years of thought, we're being told that Elijah, instead of getting a place in the palace, Elijah, instead of getting a promotion for what he has done, spiritually speaking, in the people of Israel, we're being told that instead he gets a death threat from the queen. Now you also think that he would be bolstered up with confidence by the supernatural power that attended his ministry but this is not the case because you look at Elijah after he gets this death threat and he runs he runs for his life he actually the bible tells us that he leaves his servant back in Beersheba which is him basically saying you know what i quit I'm going to end up my ministry. I'm done. I'm leaving the ministry. I'm firing my staff. I'm going to leave my, my, my servant back in Beersheba. It's over. The jig is up. And, and, and I'm going to be done with God's ministry because I'm facing this death threat. But you know what? Like Elijah, you and I, we got depressed when things don't go our way. We get depressed when things don't go the way we expect. For instance, you expected to get a good grade at school. You studied for so many days and instead you failed the test. Well, you hoped that you would get a raise. Instead, you got laid off. You hope that or you expected that he would marry you or she would marry you. Instead, he or she dumped you. You expect to make nice profits on your investment. Instead, you're losing money. Well, you expect to withstand that temptation, but instead you fall prey to it over and over again. You expect health, instead you get sickness. You expect to get ahead, and instead you're falling behind. And you see this gap between what you expect and what the reality is, That's the source of our discouragement. You expect one thing and the reality is different. And that gap between my expectation and reality, that is the source of discouragement. And that's where a lot of people lose their faith. And that's why a lot of people lose their faith. And that's why a lot of marriages are failing. Well, you look at verse three, then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life. And came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. You see, Elijah defeated all the prophets of Balaam, which were a lot of them, but he was scared of one woman, a powerful woman that was the queen back then. His hopes, his dreams. His deepest desires for a national repentance of the people of Israel, they all were dashed upon the rock of the reality of Jezebel's hardened heart and and Jezebel's death threat. And you see, sometimes when things go wrong, you and I forget about the power and the strength of the gods we serve. Well, verse 3 he left his servant there. Now, you see, Elijah, I think, had he kept his servant, well, his servant might have said, hey, Elijah, wake up. Hey, Elijah, <laughs> step out of it. Remember all those Baal prophets that we killed. Remember when, came, when rain came after we prayed. Remember those moments Remember, when when God gave us victory, I mean, we can face this woman. We can handle this woman. So let's go back to the capital and face the challenges. But no, Elijah didn't hear that. You know why he didn't hear that? Because the servant that was supposed to say those encouraging words, he left him behind. Because in the moments of distress, he retreated in solitude And we do the same things, don't we? When things go bad in our lives, what do we do? We withdraw. When things go bad, when things go bad, the people who are supposed to encourage us and challenge us, we left them behind. And you see, sometimes it's not intentional because we just get caught in what we're trying to fix and we leave people behind. But let me tell you something. I understand that we are not intentional of pushing people away. But I feel that many times we're not intentional of keeping or surrounding ourselves with the people who can encourage us and lift us up. Oh, I have it. I've heard it so many times. Sami, I'm going through some struggles. And I don't feel like being around people. I'm going through some struggles and I don't feel like going to church. Let me tell you something in love that should be the very time you should be at church. Because the first thought, the first truth I wanna share with you tonight is simple, but it's profound. You can jot it down, you can write it down. Isolation feeds depression. Isolation feeds depression. When you're struggling with depression, the last thing you and I need to do is withdraw from others, withdraw from church, withdraw from the very same people that can encourage us and lift us up. So Elijah, in that moment, when he faced that death threat, what did he do? He took off, but he was on his own. Let's move on. Verse 4. But he himself went a this journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked, that he might die, saying, Lord, it's enough. Now, Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my fathers. And you know what? It's a really low moment for Elijah. Um, Elijah, God's great prophet, in that moment, he was depressed. In that moment, he was without hope. And he said, I'm tired. Lord, I can't take it anymore. I'm hopeless. And the second truth I want you to write down or remember tonight is that you get depressed when you are worn out. Sometimes it feels like I'm in a huge hole. And the more I shovel, the more I try to dig my way out of that hole, I feel that the more, the further down I go and the bigger the hole gets. And you find yourself thinking, Lord, it's too much. I can't take it anymore. So Elijah continued. And listen to what he said, verse 4. He said, Lord, it's enough now. Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my fathers. Well, the third truth I want us to remember tonight is that you get depressed when you compare yourself to others. You see, what I notice is that when we compare ourselves to others, we always compare our weakness to others' strengths. I compare my weakness to other people's strengths. And that's depression. And a lot of people in counseling would say, Sami, if only I would have that gift that he has. If only I would sing as nice as he sings. If only I would have that gift of playing that musical instrument. If only I would be that kind of father. If only I could be that kind of husband. If only I could have their money. If only I would have their gifts, then I'd be so much better off. My encouragement for you guys, young people, don't then compare yourself to others. I think that's a trap that will only make you more depressed. Verse 5, and he lay down and he slept under a broom tree. And behold, and this is what I like about God, even in the desert, even when I'm depressed, even when I'm down, God provides He provides for you. He provides for me. And in that moment, listen up. He sent his only angel and he said, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank and he laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. I like to think that when angel looked at him, you know what he said? Elijah, you have a long way ahead of yours, ahead of you. Elijah, the road is too long. It's too difficult. You need help. You can't make it on your own. And the fourth truth I want us to remember tonight is that you get depressed. When you try to make it on your own strength. Well, that's why Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. If you can turn in your Bibles with me. Listen what the man of God said. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, Paul said, I will post all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, isn't it mind-blowing? Then I am strong. For when I am weak and I receive God's provision, that's when I am strong. It's when we acknowledge, when I acknowledge, when you acknowledge that you are weak, that's when you receive his strength. And so Elijah, verse eight, Elijah got up and he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food, listen up, 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. Now, I just wanted to think about it. Elijah got some food. The angel brought him a meal. And that meal was strong enough or was enough to make him strong to walk and run for 40 days. It was a meal good enough for 40 days of traveling. Wouldn't that encourage you? how God's provision, how amazing God's provision is? I mean, I'll be amazed. Just think about it. Elijah traveled to the mountain of God and he traveled for 40 days. Where was he running? Well, the Bible tells us to the mountain of God. You know what? When you struggle and when I struggle, I think the best place to go is the mountain of God. And I think Elijah knew what happened the mountain of God that's why he ran to that place you know Horeb is also known as Mount Sinai you know what happened on Mount Sinai first of all God revealed himself in a burning bush to Moses and he called him to deliver the people of Israel on Mount Sinai God gave the 10 commandments to Moses so Elijah knew what happened on that mountain but you know what Elijah wasn't on a mission he was just running for his life. He was an off mission, but he was running because he was afraid of an angry, bitter, evil woman. But when Elijah go to Horeb, listen up, instead of taking a moment and worshiping him and thanking God that that meal provided him strength to go for 40 days and 49, 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible tells us the very first thing that he did, he found another place to hide. And this time was in a, in a cave. It's like Elijah, in that moment, he completely forgot that God just gave him 40 days of travel on just one meal. And that's what happens when you're depressed. And I'm depressed. We're so focused on ourselves that we can no longer see what God is really doing in our lives. We're so focused on our lives that we can't see what God is really doing in our lives. That's what happens when you and I, and I can promise you guys from personal experience, that self-centeredness is the road to despair. If you want to end up in a helpless situation like Elijah ended up, where you hate life, and you ask like Elijah to die, if you wanna end up in that place, just go on living the life like everything's about you. Like God has to revolve around me, like everything is about me. Because as long as you walk on that road, this is just a delusional state, as long as I live in this in this in this kind of mentality, in this frustrating reality, I'm gonna end up walking to despair. That's what led Elijah to despair. That kind of seeing, that that, that kind of attitude of being so self-focused. That's why in verse 9, listen up. The word of God came to him and he said, Elijah, what you still doing here? I mean, I gave you food for 40 days and 40 nights. And you came over to the mountain of God. And you're in a cave? Elijah, what you doing here? And it seems interesting because this is quite an interesting question. It's not as if God wouldn't know what he was doing there. But Elijah, it's very interesting how he responds. So follow me closely. Verse 10, instead of answering God what he was doing here, what he, how he was feeling, he gives God a, a news report. He said, you know, God, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I, even I only, I am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And God said, well, Elijah, I didn't know that. Thank you for cluing me in. And you know what? It's good that you run away. It's good that you run for your life. That's what God said. (laughs) No at all. Not at all. So God looked at him and, you know, I feel bad about Elijah because those news reports, those news report, they they emphasize that he was really depressed and he was just wallowing in his self-pity. And when you are and I am in deep valley, you feel alone. And the worst thing that can happen is I lose perspective. I lose perspective of who God is and what he can do. When you and I allow all the bad things to block my focus, when you and I allow all the people who hurt me to to, to block my focus, I won't see past through the people. I won't see past through those circumstances and see that God is still working. It's so crazy to think that Elijah thought that everything's over. But you know what? His eyes were blind that he could not see. That everything that was going on was unfolding according to God's plan. He was so blind to see that God was still on his side and he was working on his behalf. And that's the reason so many of us go hopeless. The reason you and I go to despair is because we lost sight of who God is. That's why so many times we exaggerate. That's why sometimes every mistake people make people make. It's an attack. That's why when somebody doesn't greet me or say, hello, I feel like they have a plan or they have an agenda. That's why I feel like everyone is against me. That's why I feel that everybody talks about me. That's why I feel that every have everybody has everything I have nothing. That's why I'll feel that I'll never get out of debt. That's why I feel like nobody loves me. That's why I feel like I'm I'm never going to find a person like that. That's why I feel so hopeless. Why? Because I lose sight of who God is. And that's the sign you and I get depressed. You know it's not true. And I know it's not true. But I'm still wallowing in self-pity. He moved from a tree to cave. And you and I move from tree to cave. And we know that that's not the place I'm supposed to be. And you know what? In that moment, God spoke to him. Because God wants to speak to each and every single one of us tonight. And his message is, Elijah, you're in a cave, but you're not supposed to be there. Elijah you have to move a few feet away. You have to get over. You have to, meet, uh, to move a little bit from that tree. You have to come out of that cave because that cave and that tree and whatever is in front of your eyes, it's blocking your view. You have to take a few steps back. You have to move to to right or left. You have to make a change in your life. You have to come outside of that cave because you have to look up and see that I am still working in your life. God said to Elijah, verse 11, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. You see, it's interesting because up to this moment, Elijah was just running and running and running for his life. And you never see him once stopping in the presence of God. And God said, you were just running for your life, but I wanted to do something. Get out of that cave, Elijah, because I'm on my way. So God tells Elijah where to go because he wants to show him his glory, that his glory might change his perspective. And you see, when you and I are depressed, the tendency is to isolate ourselves. So my question, my encouragement for you as young people is don't isolate and don't stay at home. Go to church. You know why? Because fighting depression is by getting in the presence of God. What is church? Among other things, church should be the place where we meet God. Amen? Amen. Church should be the way, the place where we invite God's presence and we feel God's presence. So when you are depressed, my encouragement for you is to seek your community of faith, seek people, seek the presence of God. Often that one step helped me a lot when I went through the valleys. Often just turning on a song of worship changed everything for me. Sometimes just opening the Bible and reading just one verse changed my perspective on my problems. Because when I opened up my eyes, when God opened up my eyes, then all my worries of my life diminished. Then I realized that all my problems compared to God, all my fears compared to God are getting smaller and smaller. That's why in verse 11 and 12, we read, And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and a strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in that wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in that earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in that fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. I wish I was there to see that display of power and force. I think it was better than any other firework uh, show. But God wasn't in that wind. God wasn't in that fire. God wasn't in that earthquake. It was when silence came. It was when that whisper of silence came that Elijah felt and knew that that's where God was. That's what actually got Elijah out of his cave. It's crazy that God asked him to come out of his, of his cave, but he did not. But the moment he heard that whisper, that's when he knew that God was there. You so see, as, as an application, I feel like sometimes we are afraid of silence. I don't know for some reason when 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 I ask the church let's keep some moments of silence I feel like I feel some people were starting coughing because they don't feel comfortable in the silence and 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 personally when when we have those moments of silence we try to go away we we, we try to, to 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 go away as fast as we can from them but I'm afraid if we're running from silence we can miss God's presence. And we can miss what God has for you and for me. And when Elijah heard it, the silence, God says that he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. You see, he obeyed God eventually. You would ask, well, didn't God tell him to go out of the cave? Yes, he asked him, but he finally obeyed. And the fifth truth I want us to remember tonight is that if you want to overcome depression, obey God. I know it's simple, but how you will ever escape the situation if you don't obey God? Do what he says. I read a Twitter uh, post a long time ago. Some guy said, well, if you want to hear God, read his book. Read the Bible. If you want to hear God speaking louder, then read the Bible, at loud, and you will hear God speaking to you louder. It's funny, but it's so true. Well, I was thinking tonight to come up with the top 20 things you can do to obey God. But, you know, I was thinking that you better know what God asked you to do and you're not still doing. You better know what God asked you to do, what he told you to do, and you're still disobedient, let me tell you something. If you're actively living in disobedience, expect depression to continue. The moment and I obey God's word, the moment and I do what's in this Bible, that's when I invite God's presence. And that's, what, that's the moment when God starts working in my heart. Verse 13, and behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you still doing here, Elijah? Same question as before. Same answer. Verse 14, the very same words. Well, God, if you read in verse 15, God said, Go return to your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Yehu, the son of Nimishi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Saphat, and Abel Meloah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. God spoke to him. And after he asked him, what's he doing there? You know what? God told him that it's time to go. He said, Elijah, you've been on the Mount of Sinai, but it's time for you to move. It's time for you to go back and fulfill What you were supposed to do in the first place. Leading Israel in a moment of revival. Anointing prophets. Anointing kings. God said, Elijah, it's been long enough. Get up, get out of the cave. Time for you to get back on track. And God's message for you and I is that the worst thing you and I can do is to quit God in life's worst moments. Don't stop there. Keep going. Keep moving. Fulfill what God has called you to do. Be faithful and obedient. Yes, it's true. Elijah ran from, 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 from Queen, but he was, she was, he was actually running from from the God has plan, for the God plan for the for the plan God had for him. So don't make the same mistake. If you wanna get out of depression. I know it's so tempting to run away from church, but my advice for you is get back in worship. Start volunteering at kids. Go back to Statsia. Do whatever you were supposed to do or you, God called you to do. If you, if you feel like that, that you have to go away from church, go back to the mission that God entrusted in your heart, in your hands. Because Well, you may say, well, shall I pretend that everything's okay? No, don't pretend. But if you feel isolated and alone, don't quit. Go back to the ministry that God called you to do. Well, verse 18, and I'm going to close with this idea. He said, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Now, do you remember that when God asked Elijah, what are you doing in this cave? He said, God, you know, I'm the only one left. And God let him go. And God let him talk about what was on his heart. But later on, God bring this, this idea back and he says, you know what, Elijah, you're not the only one. There are seven more thousand people in Israel who have not bound down to Baal and, and they follow me. You're not the only one in Israel that's still worshiping me. And God reminds him that he is not alone. And the last truth and the last idea and the last important principle that I want all of us to remember tonight is that if you're trying to overcome depression, remember that you are not alone that God is with you, your spiritual family is with you, you're not alone, there are people in this church that will fight this battle with you, so don't hide under a tree, don't hide in a cave, don't withdraw, don't go alone, come out of that cave and ask other people to fight with you. That's what the church is supposed to be, and that's what church is for. So, if you're in a moment of discouragement, if you're in a moment of depression, that's not something to be ashamed of. The shame keeps you keep the, the way you keep shame of uh, the way you keep depression from you is to accept the love of God and the prayers of God's people. I encourage you tonight. I encourage you to fight this battle. With other people that are true believers, they want to fight this battle for you and invite Jesus and invite Jesus to help you defeat this demon. And help Jesus and invite Jesus who conquered not only the dead, not, con- not only the Satan, who conquered his tools that he's using today to deceive his children. Invite his power of resurrection. Invite his love in life, his purpose. Invite his salvation to help you conquer this problem. I pray that God will give you strength. I, ga- I pray that God will guide, give us all strength. And I, I pray that we will all come to Jesus Christ and invite his power, the power of his, his blood to change our lives, to help us conquer and be his children, change our minds and be light and soul for the people around us. I invite the worship team to come up front and I pray that the Holy Spirit may speak to our lives and change our lives and give us hope, knowing that God has a plan and future forever, for all of us. Amen.